The TCU baseball season is coming to an end. TCU athletics for the season is over. We'll talk about all that and more next. It's Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. As you can see there, my name is Steven Simcox. I'm your host. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're creeping up on 700 subscribers, which is really cool. We're also available wherever it is you get podcasts in its audio form. Um, and sorry if you've been watching on YouTube the last few weeks and you're like, where is the fancy graphic setup? Uh, there's some issues, technical issues with the software we use to download that today and I didn't really have time to wait on it so we're going with an old school look and we're going to talk TCU baseball because unfortunately the frog season did come to an end now last time we talked the team was preparing to play Oral Roberts they did win that elimination game over Oral Roberts by a score six to one Cam Brown did a nice job for three innings bullpen took over after that and got it done uh got enough runs again you know that ballpark Charles Schwab Park plays really big TCU wasn't able to um, stir up a lot of runs, but they did get six runs in that game. They win that game. Um, moved on to a matchup with Florida. They're going to beat the Gators twice to make it to the championship series. Threw their ace, uh, Cole Klecker, and Cole did a nice job. Gave up a two-run home run in the first, and that was it. Um, you know, shut down Florida the rest of the game. But TCU, a lot of missed opportunities, and they end up losing 3-2. Braden Taylor hit an absolute tank um, at the end of the game. There were two outs, nobody on. I thought he had tied it up off the bat. It looked like a home run swing. And he hit it to dead center, which it's 410 out to dead center at that ballpark. And he hit it about 409 feet. Uh, center fielder made a nice catch. Florida center fielder made a running, leaping catch. And that was your ball game. And so TCU season um, is over now. They do make the national semis finals, which is really cool. And, I mean, listen, there's always – in my mind, there's always a lot of conflicting feelings when a season ends, and most of it comes back to expectations. And it's really tough to get a read on what expectations for this team were because we've discussed this before, but it just flipped back and forth so much during the season. Um, you know, at one point, at the beginning of the season, it looked like this was a top 15, top 10 team, and then we all know midseason it didn't even look like they might make the NCAA tournament, and then they do, and they make this incredible run. And so mainly I just come away grateful because I didn't expect this to happen. Uh, they went 21-4 and four in their last 25 games. All four losses were by one run. Two of those losses were blown saves that they could have won if they just shut the door in the ninth inning. So it's hard to complain. But at the same time, Offense had some chances to get it done in that game on uh, Thursday. And listen, bottom line, too, is even if you win that ball game, it doesn't put you in the championship series. It just guarantees you another chance to play Florida in a winner-take-all game, and it guarantees you another day of baseball. So um, it wasn't the end-all, be-all, but it was disappointing that the season ended how it did. Let me know in the YouTube comments, or you can tweet at me. I'm at SimcoxSteven on Twitter. What are your big takeaways? from this TCU baseball season uh, because it's a, a fantastic team that eventually reached their full potential. And in year two of the Kirk Sarlus era, you have to be happy with how it turned out. I thought they were a little, they were a little antsy yesterday. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, Jack Caglione 
the starter for Florida, who's, you know, their two-way player, one of the best players in college baseball. He has electric stuff. I mean, he was throwing 97 at the beginning of the game, and that sort of leveled out as the game went on. He was mainly hanging around 94, 95, but had a fastball with some run to it, had a wicked slider, and put some guys on, you know, walked a lot of guys, hit some guys, but I thought TCU wasn't quite patient enough. Now, the tricky thing about that is I thought there were some guys who had some patient ABs against them and waited until there were, you know, two strikes on them to really start hacking away and struck out because if he gets you in a two-strike count, then he's got a, a pretty good arsenal of pitches that can uh, get you to swing and miss because he can make you chase or, you know, he can um, run one in the zone on you. He, he seemed to get better command of his breaking stuff, his secondary stuff, as the game went on. But I just felt like the guys were pressing a little bit. They were trying to make big hits, um, and it sort of cost them at times. I feel like if they were a little more patient, maybe that game would have gotten to, you know, come to them, um, and they wouldn't have had to work so hard to scratch across those runs. The other, the other two big moments in that game. So runner on second, one out. Curtis Burns at second. There's one out in the fourth. Logan Maxwell. Hits one to the gap. Um, normally, it would have been a single. The outfielder cut it off, but because they threw it in, Logan ended up taking second. But it's a base hit, right? Curtis is not the fastest guy in the world. And watching it live, they threw into second base. And I thought they threw to the cutoff man at second base because uh, they had held up Curtis at third, which would have made sense in that moment. But... He the second baseman gets it, turns around, and Curtis is breaking for home, and he threw him out. I mean, it wasn't super close. Um, it took a good throw and a good tag to get it done, but he was out by a couple feet. And John Delaria, the third base coach, I'm not sure what all happened there. He didn't give him, like, they showed the third base cam view, and he didn't give him the signal to go. But it looked like maybe when the second baseman got the ball, when they threw it in the second base, and I saw Jacob Saylor say this, who has been on the show before, and He's from the Lupton Drinking Club. You see uh, Coach Delario walking towards Curtis, and it looks like he might have been like, hey, go for it, because they threw in a second base and he was trying to sneak him home. I thought it was an unnecessary risk at the time. And that's been a problem for TCU, whether it's holding guys up at times where you thought they could score or you know, players just getting wiped out at home plate on the base pass. Um, there's been a lot of those moments this year where it just feels like questionable decision-making at the time. And there were brace running blunders in Omaha that cost TCU this weekend. But that was a huge moment. And then bases loaded one out for Trey Richardson in the fifth. And he struck out. And then Curtis Byrne popped out, um, had a chance to tie the game there, take the lead, couldn't do it. Anthony Silva eventually hit a double to tie the game. And then uh, Garrett Wright gave him an infield single in the ninth inning in the top of the ninth and Florida took a three, two lead and uh, ended up winning by a final score of three to two. So all, all in all, some missed opportunities, but a really fantastic run for TCU baseball. Uh, It's been really fun following this team the last month or so. And I mean, I come away more hopeful than anything else for the future of this program. However, I do, you know, one thing about this is the team as a whole is going to have to find a way to be more consistent next year. And we'll talk about that in our third segment. When we come back, though, I do want to discuss TCU football for a little bit. We'll do that next. This is Locked on Horned Frogs. Uh, Before we do that, though, I want to mention Bird Dogs. You can go to birddogs.com slash college. 
And if you make a purchase at birddogs.com slash locked on college, then you can get a free tumbler with any purchase. Uh, bird dogs, they're comfortable. Shorts, pants, they sent me a few shorts in the mail. And one cool thing about them is they fit the right way. Like they stretch and fit your body um, in the right way. You know, they're not too tight. They don't make you feel self-conscious about what you're wearing. Um, and they're really durable and you can get away wearing them just about anywhere. I mean, they're very versatile. They look like khaki shorts, uh, but they're more comfortable than your typical khaki shorts that you're going to find. And so you can wear them by the pool. You can wear them out in a social gathering, um, just around the house. I usually wear them when I'm around the house. Birddogs.com slash college. Make one of these orders today. Make sure you're trying out their products. Support us by supporting our sponsors. Again, that's birddogs.com slash college. Get a free tumbler. Just make a purchase so you can get a free tumbler. That's a pretty good value. Um, and they make great products that make you feel good, make you look good. Birddogs.com, proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. So I was on yesterday, I was on the College Chaos podcast, which is a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Ross and Jack McKenzie. Garrett Ross is uh, a, he used to be a co-worker of mine, a colleague of mine. We worked in radio together, and he is now with uh, the 365 sports team. And so they do a live show. They record it if you want to find it on YouTube. But they're asking me all about TCU. And I'm always interest, interested, excuse me, to hear you know, from an outsider perspective, like people that don't follow the team every day, what kind of questions they have, what they're thinking about. Um, and I sort of said, I made this offhand comment that they they wanted to drill down on. And I, I'm just interested to hear from my audience. I said at one point in the discussion, they were asking me about expectations for this team and how they replace all that was lost. <clears throat> and I said, I think as a whole, this team might be more talented than last year's team. Now, I didn't say better. I mean, I honestly don't think they're going to be better than last year's team. I think a lot of things broke for them the right way. And last year's team th showed a lot of heart and toughness and some intangibles that this team could definitely have, but we just haven't seen it yet. And so it's hard to say that with um, definitiveness. But I feel like you have a more polished quarterback. Maybe not a better quarterback because Max was fantastic last year. And, I mean, I don't want to, like, make it sound like all he brought to the table is intangibles because he was also throwing the ball around well. He made plays with his legs. But I think the leadership, the grit, the toughness that he brought to the team was invaluable, and that's something that TCU will miss this season. This inside receiver core, though, especially, like with John Paul Richardson and JoJo Raw, I think it's going to be fantastic. Got some really athletic tight ends and Jared Wiley um, and DeAndre Rogers. Pulled in a lot of really good players from the portal. Uh, on the defensive side, you got guys like Avery Helm that you brought in. An exciting and talented freshman class. Um, I think this team's going to be physical. They're going to be athletic. And I was looking at the Athlon Sports preview for TCU this year. And Athlon interviews opposing coaches and opposing players and tries to get the scoop on, okay, what was going on last season? And they said that the athleticism and physicality that that team had last year, it matched whoever their opponent was um, until, I guess, the final day of the season. And I think from that standpoint, TCU is going to be in as good of or maybe an even better situation. I really feel like they're going to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with most teams from a talent perspective this season. Now, can they win some of the close games that they did last year? I don't know. 
Um, can they win some of the big games on the road that they did last year? We'll see. Got to go to Manhattan this year, right? It's going to be tough. To Lubbock, even though I don't totally buy into the idea that Texas Tech's going to be this death machine that everybody thinks they could be. Always tough to play in West Texas. Always tough to play on the road, especially if it's a night game. I'm sure it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. Uh, Parker Ainsworth, who is also part of the Locked On Network, he mentioned you know, that game against Houston. It's going to be a primetime game on Fox. First game for Houston in the Big 12. So I would think good atmosphere on that night, as much as you would expect from Houston football. And so those will be big tests for this team. And there's a lot of talent to replace. There's a bunch of guys that got picked in the NFL draft. But with that being said, I think from a talent standpoint, they reloaded really well. Now, can those guys execute and make the plays and do the things that last year's team did? That remains to be seen. Um, I do feel like they have a chance, though, to grow and develop and coalesce as a team through those first five or six weeks of the schedule that are manageable. I mean, I don't want to say light because you never know who's going to be good and who's not. But on paper, it seems more manageable. I really like the makeup of this group. There's question marks. I have question marks on the offense, offensive line specifically. How do you replace guys like Steve Avila and Alan Ali and Wes Harris that had a ton of experience? But, I mean, as much as it hurts to lose the guys they did, these were also players that were kind of scuffling and hadn't reached their full potential until Sonny Dykes and the staff took over and, you know, found ways to make it happen. So, in some sense, if you have a better roster, a roster that is equally as talented, you would think they can do that again with this year's group. And so that's one of the things I'll be watching for football this year. When we come back, we'll wrap things up and we'll discuss TCU baseball for next season, what it's going to look like. We'll do that next and wrap things up on Lockdown Horn Frogs. So uh, the, the next season for TCU baseball, and it's always tough to project things because I don't know if there's a sport that well, basketball's like this too. I guess basketball and baseball are kind of equal. Um, the portal's a real thing. Now, the good news is for TCU, I feel like from an NIL perspective, they seem to be pretty competitive in baseball. Also, making the national semifinals is going to help a lot. Um, but Carson Bowen and Anthony Silva and Ben Abelt are all on the collegiate national team, like the USA collegiate national team. They were fantastic this year. They're going to be uh, the staples and the bedrocks of this team next season. What are you losing? Well, you're going to lose Braden Taylor. He's gone. Cole Fontenelle is draft eligible. I'm not sure what his decision will be. I think there's a good chance he will probably move on. Uh, I believe Trey Richardson will be moving on to the MLB draft. Austin Davis is moving on. Um, and he was really good for this group down the stretch. And so – you're losing a lot of good position players. If Curtis Byrne is willing to stick around and be a DH platoon catcher, then I think that's fantastic for TCU, but I feel like he's got a decision to make because his playing time uh, in the field decreased significantly once Carson Bowen got rolling. Um, from a pitching perspective, I said this in segment one. I was like, how can this team find a way to be more consistent next year? 
And I think it really starts and ends with the pitching staff. They were incredible in the postseason, even in the games they lost. I mean, gave up six runs to Oral Roberts, but four of those were in the ninth inning um, and gave up three runs to Florida yesterday. Like, allowed TCU to hang in it. Got it done night in and night out. Um, Cole Klecker was fantastic. Sam Stoutenborough was great. And so you look at this rotation next year. Cole Klecker, uh, Luis Rodriguez, Ben Abelt, either as a big-time arm in the bullpen or potentially a starter. Went and got Ben Hampton from West Virginia, who's made a lot of starts in his career. Uh, Cademan Parker is a name to remember. He had Tommy John surgery. There was a good chance he could be in the mix for the weekend rotation or at least a regular Tuesday starter uh, before, you know, having an injury that ended his season. Chase Hoover, Braden Sloan. I, I think Sloan would be more of a bullpen option, maybe your Tuesday starter next year. Hoover, uh, we'll see. But both those guys gave you val- valuable innings at times this past season. And, um, Man, that's going to be special to watch. I believe Garrett Wright will probably move on. Luke Savage, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what his prospects are going to look like. But on paper, you should have a good rotation and a good versatile bullpen. And then I hope they hit the portal hard because uh, there's momentum to capitalize on right now. And I know they've already been active and they picked up a few guys. But you need somebody to replace Braden Taylor at third base. Um, and maybe that comes from in-house. It would be cool, though, if you could find an immediate impact guy that uh, could get it done right away, though. Um, And I I would say, you know, we'll see what happens with the starting rotation. Cam Brown, I would imagine, is is moving on. Ryan Vanderhigh ended up being hurt this year. Somebody asked me about Ryan Vanderhigh. I never heard anything official, but the, the word was that he was dealing with an injury, and so they shut him down. But there's a lot of good options for arms. You need a true ace. That could end up being Cole Klecker because it seemed like he stepped into that role as the year goes on. But I wouldn't mind poking around for a big-time number one starter, Friday night starter, in the portal as well. There is a ton of momentum for TCU baseball. I'm excited about next season. But that's a long way away. We got football coming up next, and so we'll break that down uh, tomorrow and you know the next couple of weeks. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.